And if you are taking notes, which I always encourage you to take notes, the title of my message tonight is 100% Concentrate. And we'll get into why that's the title of my message tonight. But our key scripture, if you're following along, um, you can open up your Bibles. We will do our best to have them on the screen. But also I threw in some more verses that are not going to be on the slide. So open up your Bibles. Um, we're going to start in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Um, and many of us know this key scripture. And I actually think it's what the children was scheduled to talk about tonight, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Um, but it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no such law. And a lot of us know this, and if we've grown up in church, we've heard these this list of fruit so many times, and we've typified them with like oranges and apples and grapes and pineapple, and we've maybe kidified it. But what I believe that the Lord is is showing us tonight is that these are not just cute characteristics that we can add to our lives whenever we become a Christian. These are truly um, supernatural downloads from the Holy Spirit that in, that enable us and allow us to endure every single situation. And so um, these are the fruit of the Spirit. They actually strengthen our character to be developed so that we can win in all circumstances. And so if you have been with us for, I believe it was five years ago, Pastor Stephen did a 17-part series on love. He talked about how love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. He went all the way down the list of 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. And so I am not going to speak on love tonight. I encourage you to go all the way back if you need help finding it on YouTube. It really it is it's one of those series that we can listen to and, and study out time and time again, and it will always be profitable to us. But I'm actually going to go into the next uh, fruit of the Spirit, which is joy. And I think a lot of times what we think about joy is just slapping a smile on your face, keeping your mind away from like the news and anything that could hinder joy and just walking around in a bubble, right? Or like suppressing emotion and, or that's not really my personality. I'm not really bubbly and walk around like I've drank six shots of espresso all the time. Like that is my personality. And if you've known me for very long, you might be like, well, her joy is gonna look a whole lot different than Daniel's joy. And that's totally fine. What I wanna talk about tonight is what a biblical definition for joy is, how we can have it and how, and how we can grow in joy. And so when we look at the definition for the word joy, this Greek word in Galatians 5.22 um, is chara. Can you guys say that? Chara, like C-H-A-R-A. Good job. <laughs> and so this, this C-H-A-R-A, it has a definition that is more than just like being happy all the time. What we see with this word is that its definition is the awareness of God's grace, of his favor, of joy. It is grace recognized. It is a calm delight, and it is a source of happiness. So joy is not just something that we are refusing to ever have sorrow or doubt or fear or any of these other things. What we're going to find is that Jesus actually taught us where our joy comes from. And this is not something that we can do in and of our own strength, right? 
Um, I don't know if you guys have ever walked through an orchard or, and I'm sure many of us have heard this example, but you don't walk by an orange tree and hear it grunting and squirming and struggling to push out fruit, right? That would be really weird. Okay, so instead what you see is that fruit comes naturally um, in due season because it is mature and because the conditions are right. And the same is true with us. Like whenever we, we might look at the fruit of the spirit like, oh, I just need to be better at loving people or I'm not very patient, I just need to be more patient with people. But Jesus actually tells us how we find this source of joy and it's way easier than what we think it is. And so let's go ahead and turn to uh, John 15. And in John 15, um, just to kind of give some background, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he is, he tells them in 10 verses, he says the word abide 10 times and the word remain one time. And so there's kind of a common theme. Who can guess what the common theme is? Abide, yeah. So he says, um, he's talking about abiding and we're gonna read verses two and four. We are gonna skip over three for time's sake. But he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that I may bear more fruit. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so I grew up in a small farm town. There was a lot of corn, a lot of soybeans. And so whenever you grow up in a very small farm town, we had drive your tractor to school day. If you would like to see the combine parking lot after service, please see me. I've got pictures from this year. It's like a true story. So, you know, when you're growing up in a farm town, there's a lot of um, Bible stories that relate to farming, to yield, to seed time and harvest, to seasons. Um, but one thing that I saw that was kind of new in this is that um, we are not trying to produce fruit, but there are things that we can do that yield a greater a greater product, right? Either greater in quality or in quantity. So if you plant a tomato plant and you give it Texas soil, which is not very good by itself, and you let it be scorched by the sun, you might get a few tomatoes and they might not be like super great quality, but there are amendments that you can make to the soil. There are coverings that you can put over top so that it doesn't get scorched. And you not only will get more tomatoes, but you'll get a better tomato. Does that make it like, it's more pleasing to the palate. And so what we see here is that Jesus is telling us not only how to get this joy, but he actually tells us how to, how to increase our yield. And so whenever I'm studying the Bible, um, if you're really trying to dig in, you know, there's different commentaries, different translations. Um, you can do a word study. But one thing I love to do is I love to put myself in the perspective of the people in the story. And so in this story, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And in 10 verses, 11 times, he says, abide, 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 remain, abide, abide, abide. And so the disciples, they're obviously like paying attention. And if I'm putting myself in the disciples' shoes, then in verse 11, he says, I have told you these things so that my joy and my delight may be in you and that your joy may be made full and complete and overflowing. 
And so if we put ourselves in the disciples' shoes, I'm, I'm just picturing maybe the disciples looking around a little bit and maybe one of the disciples raising their hand and saying, but Jesus, you're not very happy. No, that didn't happen, right? This joy that Jesus had and he, and he exemplified and he had experienced, he was so confident in it that he knew that the people who were around him would not only catch it, but have it so full to overflowing that he said other people would experience it too. Isn't that amazing? I've never thought about it that way. Like he didn't just say, I'm going to give you this joy for you. He said that it was going to be whole and overflowing. And so I just find it so cool. Jesus was, there's a confidence that we can have in the joy that we find in the Lord that whenever people experience us, their joy is made whole and complete and overflowing. And that's a promise that we can honestly take to the Lord in prayer. And so here's the thing is that there obviously was a lifestyle that Jesus had where people knew that he had joy. And like I said, I'm not expecting you to have dimples and, you know, just run around like a chicken with your head cut off all the time. But what I am saying is that there's a calm delight that, you know, if you never smile in a picture, if people meet you and they have no difference between us and what the world has to offer, there has to be a divide. And I think what we can find is with the fruit of the spirit, it's not that we are trying to work up patience and long suffering and gentleness, but what we find is that our level of abiding can be experienced with our level of joy. And I have a really, really hard time believing that somebody who says that they have a great relationship with the Lord, that they are invested into, into their relationship with God, if they have none of the fruit of the spirit, I have a really, really hard time believing that. Does that make sense? And so what we find is that, I mean, we're gonna have, I have three points for tonight on how we can increase our joy, how we can mature in joy. But this is the concentrated version of joy. And if you've ever had juice, most of us have had juice. <laughs> it's a pretty easy illustration. There's like fresh squeezed juice, and then there is juice from concentrate, right? And they water it down to make it palatable most of the time. It's not maybe as good of quality. But what would happen if you were to drink eight ounces of concentrated orange juice? You have that much more nutrients. You need to drink that much less and get the same result. You, you get to have that much more flavor. And so what we see is that Jesus is this 100% concentrate. And what happens is whenever we hook up to his joy, we are not getting a watered down palatable version. We are instead getting that same 100% concentrate on the inside of us. And then whenever we walk out from there, if it's true joy, other people will experience it too. And that's the thing is that we can know if it's true joy, if other people are experiencing it as well. And so maybe we should start carrying the good news like it actually is good news. You know what I mean? Like maybe there's a point at which we need to say that the joy that I have from the Lord is different than the joy from the world. And I can give it to you. All you have to do is do the same thing that I'm doing. It's not a special gifting. It's not an anointing, which we'll get into. But there's a joy that I have on the inside of me, and it's not just for me, it's also for you, amen? And so we're gonna go ahead and turn to Hebrews 1, verse nine. So there's three ways that we can mature in joy. In joy. And so Hebrews 1, 9 says, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, your God 
has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And honestly, I hadn't really seen this verse in this context before. I've always seen it as like the loving righteousness and hating wickedness and not really seeing the fruit from that. But what we see is that the triune being of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit can all be a part of our maturing process in joy. And so my first point is that we can ask the Holy Spirit for an anointing of the oil of joy. And I don't think many of us maybe think about that. We, you know, we'll get into other verses that pertain to the Lord and pertain to Jesus. But what we find is truly when we go to him and we ask for this anointing of the oil of joy and we do it in expectation, God meets us every single time. And so there's this, there's this joy that is set before us in Hebrews 12 too, we don't have time to turn to it probably, but it says for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, right? And so there are times when we will not be able to endure what has been set before us if we do not have this joy on the inside of us. And the more that we study this joy, We've, we don't find it so much as like this cutesy little pear that like we attach to our, you know, to our fruit of the spirit and like our little basket. No, this is like, this is our powerhouse. It says the joy of the Lord is our strength. This is something that, this is our weapon that Pastor Steve talked about on Sunday. These are things that we can't just take lightly. These are truly our superpowers on the inside. And so where we find joy is really important. And most of us can find joy. If you don't have joy, not that it's okay, but there's still a promise for you to find joy. If you really, truly cannot find joy, if you, if you are finding yourselves um, at empty at all times, there's promises that we can have joy. But many of us find joy in different places in life, whether it's vacations, whether it's food, whether it's movies. And what we find is that based on where we can find our joy, um, we'll see if we go like this or if we go like this. Does that make sense? And so a lot of times, you know, we're, we're stressed from work and we come home and all we want to do is just veg in front of the TV and watch a movie because that's the only thing that, you know, keeps us from dipping down further. Or if we really are emotional eaters, we've had a really hard day and we're, all we want is a good Dahlia chicken fried chicken, you know, with mashed potatoes to fill the cracks and crevices in our lives that are not full of Jesus. Or maybe, you know, the longest I haven't been without a vacation, I'm, I'm done. I just need to get out of town again so that I can fill back up and maintain and long enough before my next vacation. You know what I mean? Does this make sense? And yet what we find is because it's circumstantial, we are constantly going up and down and up and down and up and down. And depending on when the world sees us, the testimony that they're receiving is whether or not we're happy or not on the day of. Does that make sense? And yet what we find is when our joy is made complete in God, it's a leveler. And we're gonna find that whenever we focus on God, it's an eternal perspective rather than what is happening today or tomorrow or yesterday or what somebody said about me or my current financial situation. Does that make sense? And so what we find is that um, Jesus actually talked about this. So we're gonna turn to Luke 10, verse 20. And it was so funny, this, this is kind of a rabbit trail, but not really. I was studying out the fruit of the spirit, obviously, and there's so many good studies on it. And I really hadn't done like a Google search, but I had been talking about it. 
and I had, you know, typed it in on my, like, Google Doc. I was looking for joy and that kind of thing. And what popped up on my Pinterest, this is how I know that they're listening to me, but this sheet of stickers that says, Fruit of the Spirit, Eternal Preservatives. It's so cool. So if you want to, they're great. It says, um, Eternal Preservatives. Yeah, of course I bought it. Are you kidding me? It says, Eternal Preservatives filled with the Spirit, ingredients, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. goes on. Isn't that so cute? They got me with my Bible study. So cute. Yes, Levi. So Jesus actually talks about this joy. And um, when we turn to Luke 10, 20, um, to give some background, in verse 17, Jesus had, sent, Jesus had the 12 disciples, but he also sent out the 72, remember. And he sent them out with nothing. And these guys were eat, sleeping, and breathing ministry. All they did was carry the good news to the people and they laid their head wherever people accepted them and they did signs and miracles and wonders. And in verse 17, they say, Lord, even the demons submit to your name. And you would think like Jesus would be like, yeah, go, you know, go 72, keep up the good work. You guys are doing, you know, kingdom business. You guys are doing awesome. But instead he says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And rejoice means like find joy again or like find your joy, right? And so, again, putting yourself in their shoes, you're like, well, that was a downer. Like, I was really excited. I'm doing things for you. And yet, and I've heard it from, you know, people, like whenever you go to Bible college, everybody wants to be in full-time ministry. You're like, oh, I'll just be happy once I'm in full-time ministry and I don't have to be in a secular job. And all I get to do is blah, blah, blah. But even Jesus here is saying we can't even find our joy in ministry experiences or the things that we're doing. Um, our joy has to be eternal. Our joy has to be the fact that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Our joy has to be found in the fact that we will one day see him face to face and worship him in spirit and in truth and see all the different facets of him and for eternity cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's where our joy is found. And what's amazing is, and he did it for their, for their sake because think about what would have happened the first time that they came across persecution, which every single one of the disciples did. They would have said, oh, I guess I'm not cut out for the ministry or I guess the Lord doesn't really want me here. But instead, Jesus endured the cross and he did it with joy, knowing that there was something on the other side of it. You know what I mean? And so he's, he's telling them to find their joy in the Lord. So my second point is that we find our joy in God the Father. And, um, you know, he, whenever Jesus is talking about this lifestyle of joy, he makes it non-optional. He tells them, do not rejoice. He doesn't say, hey, it might be a little bit better if you find your joy in eternal things. No, he tells them, do not rejoice that even the demons submit to, to my name. And so what we find here is that there's a standard of living with joy that if we are not experiencing, we are living below the standard that Jesus had intended for us and he provided for us. And a lot of times we look at healing and we look at provision and we look at all of these different things as things that we can take hold of, but joy and peace and patience just kind of, it depends on the territory. And that's really sad because what Jesus is saying here is he's like, 
you can rejoice at all times. It can be your leveler. It can be your calm delight. It can be your source of happiness. And so he's actually, what he's providing for us is a standard of living that is beyond what the world can provide. And so in Philippians 4, 4, um, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And so again, what we see here is that when we rejoice in the Lord, we can find joy again and again and again. Whereas we can find joy in the season of life that we're in, but it is going to pass us by. We can find joy in the relationships that we have right now, but they're temporal, right? But whenever we have joy in the Lord, we can say again, rejoice. And I'm gonna go ahead and turn to verse five because it's really good. Philippians 4. So Philippians 4, and obviously you just read 4, but it says, um, let your graciousness be known to everyone that the Lord is near. So the joy that we typify on our faces, the joy um, that we have on the inside of us, which we'll get to, um, is what is going to be a sign and a wonder to, to the world around us. And, you know, there's, there's a scripture that says your kindness leads you know, people to repentance. It's your goodness that draws them to your light. And so what we see here is that whenever we find joy, whenever we have these pleasures forevermore that are not just to make life comfortable here until we get to heaven, there's purpose behind them. And so I think a really, really good good example of this is Hunter. And if you were here at um, the last time he spoke on a Wednesday, I don't even know when it was, um, Really what he did was he just shared a testimony of what we had walked through, he had walked through, through the past year. And there was a lot of, um, a lot of this um, financially, um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And of course, with any testimony, um, it is to bring all glory to God and it always comes out in victory. And, you know, he was sharing all this and what, stuck to me, and I guess what I've thought about time and time again, is afterwards it wasn't, oh, I didn't know that he could do that, or wow, I didn't know, you know, but instead what people said, and this wasn't everybody, but I heard it over and over again was, I didn't know you were walking through that because you didn't act like it. I didn't know you had that long of an experience without it showing on your face. And so this is the joy that we can experience. And there will be times when people around us will say, how are you responding the way that you're responding to this situation? And our only answer can be the Lord. Our only answer, we can't say that Netflix show I've been watching, it really brought joy to me. It really helped me maintain through these past two years. You know what I mean? That, that it won't be our answer. Our answer can only be the Lord when truly it's been a leveler for such a long time. And we can get away with it on a day-to-day -day basis, but over a long period of time, we'll find where our joy is. And so if Jesus is the center of our joy, we don't have to go inward as much. And Pastor Kim explained it really well. She was like, the more that we focus inward and the more that we focus mentally and the more that we focus emotionally, the less time that we focus on the spirit behind it. And so this is not, joy is not us waking up every single morning and asking ourselves how we feel and then going down that direction. 
Instead, and I, I apologize, I don't know what minister first said it because so many ministers quote him, but whoever it is, he said, I don't ask Lindsay how she feels. I tell Lindsay how she feels, and then I go in that direction. And so in the morning, if I'm lonely and I'm feeling lonely and I go down the lonely path, that's the only direction I'm ever going to go. But instead, if I'm like, Lord, you said you would never leave me nor forsake me, and I'm walking down that path, I'm still going on the course that has been set before me. And so what we find is time and time again, I actually heard it from, um, there's a Christian mom who does YouTube, not gonna, I mean, she's awesome. But anyway, she was, she's pregnant with her fourth kid, and she's been dealing with some health troubles, and she was saying it like a couple months ago. She was saying, I have found that whenever I have a mindset shift and I focus on the good things, it really does help me naturally. And that's all she said. But instead, she got quite a bit of flack. People were saying, suppressing your emotions is not good for the health of you or your baby. Just sticking your head in the dirt is not gonna do anybody any good. You need to, you need to focus on how you're feeling. And we do live in this age of, emotionalism where like you do you it's your truth you whatever you say however the wind blows that day that's how I have to treat you so she had to make a whole different video and I just watched it a couple weeks ago and she said I am not ever saying that I suppress my emotions but instead what she did was she walked through this mindset shift which is truly just counting it all joy she said one example was her her son her third son was not sleeping through the night and he was waking her up time and time again. And she said, so I will go to the Lord and I will say, Lord, I am so tired. I just want to sleep in. I am exhausted. She said, but the Lord never leaves me there. Instead, I turn it and I say, Lord, thank you so much for being the person that my son can find comfort with. Thank you so much for not only giving me the energy for the day, but also for the night. Lord, thank you that your mercies for today are different than the ones yesterday because I need new ones today. And we find this time and time again in the Psalms. Dave, Psalms is not just all cheery happy notes for 150 Psalms. Instead, we see uh, David lamenting. We see him fearful. We see him doubting. We see him angry at God. And instead, what we find is time and time again, he goes to the Lord, he bears his soul to him. And this is not emotionalism, but what we find is whenever we take it to God, it says we can come boldly to his throne of grace in our time of need. This is not just acting like we have it all together before we get to him, but this is saying, I need you, and I need you right now. And every single time we do, he gives us a joy overflowing that won't go away. And it gives us just enough strength to live for today. I love that song. It's really there's so many good joy songs that um, we could just have it for like two hours. It's great. So what we find is that so our first point is that we can be anointed by the Holy Spirit with the oil of joy or the oil of gladness. And our second point is that we can rejoice in the Lord. Right? We find our joy in the Lord. And Psalm one eighteen one it talks about how. When we give thanks, regardless of our feelings, God gives joy regardless of our circumstances. I want to say that again because it is so good. When we give thanks, regardless of our feelings, 
God gives joy regardless of our circumstances. And so this is truly like, if there's, when I think, when I have thought about joy time and time again, and I, a lot of times whenever we just think about happiness, we think about a happiness that is um, forgetting our circumstances, but this is in the midst of our circumstances. This is sleeping on a boat that's going to sl- that, that is going to sink. This is getting bitten by a snake and still knowing that you have a plan and a purpose on the other side. You know what I mean? And so um, whenever we have this language of heaven in the language of our hearts, we'll find time and time again that it actually changes our situation. And so a really good example of this is Mark Hankins. And that's where Pastor Steven and Pastor Kim and Hunter and many of our people are this week. And if you have been in a Mark Hankins meeting or if you have seen him, you know that he is a very good example of this. He is constantly stirring himself up in joy. And what's funny, not so funny, it's real, What's real is that when people go to see him, they are not expecting to leave the same way. And they are not expecting to walk away sad, and they're not expecting to walk away with heady knowledge. What they are expecting and have faith for is that they will walk away with a new level of joy. And if you've ever seen him, he's just walking around. He's going, ha, 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 hallelujah, praise you, God. You are so good. And he starts smacking people on the head, right? And so what we find here is that this is truly that 100% concentrated version of joy that impacts the people around it. This is truly that, that joy on the inside that people know whenever they experience him, they're going to walk away different. And I I just think that's so amazing because we truly do. We don't have a full understanding of joy. Psalm 126 verses two and three says, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. This joy is shown to the nations when we have a true joy on the inside of us, amen, that is, that is evident to the people around us. And so when we focus on joy, and this is what joy is not, joy is not looking for the things that hinder our joy and try to get rid of them. I did not wanna make a mess tonight, but if you were to have a cup of muddy water and I told you to get the mud out of the water or out of the cup, to have you sit there and try to separate the mud and the water would be not very smart. You would waste your time, you would waste your energy, and it would not yield great results. You would be frustrated and you would be in the same place that you were before. Instead, if you intelligently thought about this problem, you would dump a whole bunch of clear water on top and it would displace the sorrow, it would displace the mud, it would displace the things that you're trying to get rid of and what you're left with is not only the result that you were looking for, but it's such an easier way to get there. Does that make sense? There, there's so many times when we're like, I will just be happy if, if I leave my job, if I leave this relationship, if I cut off these people, if I stop watching this, if I, if I don't do this and instead when we focus on God, it displaces all of the other things and it's so much easier. All we have to do is abide. And so 
Um, whenever we're doing that, it enables us to endure the pain of today for the promise and the joy of tomorrow. And so again, Jesus endured the cross with joy set before him. And if he didn't have joy, he would have not been able to do that. I true, like truly, it says with that joy, he was able to endure the cross, meaning otherwise he wouldn't have been able to endure. So there are things that we are going through. Joy is not um, going to push away circumstances that are going to come our way. But what it does do is it lets us count it all joy. James 1, 2 says to count it all joy for when you encounter trials of many kinds, right? And we just got a real life example of this. Cody and Janet had a baby last Thursday, cute little baby. And Janet went through childbirth. Believe it or not, that is the process to have a baby. I know, shocking. But she was even telling us, we, we went over and saw the baby and I was just asking how it went and, and all of that. And she said, you know, there was a time, there was a moment when I was like, I think I'm done. I really don't wanna do this anymore. I'm done, I give up. And yet, you keep pushing because you know that you're going to hold the promise on the other side of it. And the same is true with us. We endure contractions and tribulations and things that come our way and we say, you know, I really feel like giving it up, but I know that something I've been carrying on the inside of me for a very long time that has been developing, that I have been taking care of, that has been seen before, is I'm going to hold it someday. And I'm going to hold the promise that has been set before me because I'm enduring this. That's how we count it all joy. It, it's not that we are saying, thank the Lord for this contraction, loving this. No, that's, that's genuinely, that's not what we're doing. That's not how we count it all joy. We're counting it all joy because, let's actually turn there. James 1, verse 2. I don't have this in slides, so. It says, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Verse three, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. There will be things that we will lack, things that are not mature, things that are not complete if we do not count it all joy. If we do not go through these things, there will be an endurance that we will not have. And so um, time and time and time again, we see that we are focusing so much on what we're currently going through instead of focusing our attention. And he brings us up from that place and then we get a bird's eye view of it instead. And it's so much smaller and it doesn't look as long of a trial and you know, if you've ever been up in an airplane, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it disappears and all you see is something from up high. And the same is true with us. The more that we look to the Lord, the more that we abide in Jesus and the more that we are anointed with the oil of gladness, the other things disappear. And, and the contractions might be happening, but you know, it's almost done. I'm about to get my promise at the end of it. I'm gonna hold it. And so, um, Acts 20, 24, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to me so that I may finish my course or my race with joy. Oh, we do have it, great. Um, so in order to finish our course with joy, we first have to, con we first have to finish. 
And that's, that's honestly, that might be where some of us are here tonight is that we're thinking about giving up in the last leg of our race or we're thinking about just handing in the towel and going and sitting on the bench. But in order to, in order to finish our course with joy, we first have to finish our course. And so there is an endurance that is needed to, to, to keep running, but then as we keep running and we keep getting filled with joy, then there's an endurance that keeps getting given to us so that we can finish with joy. And so, there are so many times, um, Keith Moore talks about it this way. He says, you know, a lot of times if you're, if you're talking to somebody and they're going through, or if you yourself are going through something and you think nobody else has been through this, my life is really hard. This is honestly the hardest thing that anybody I know around me has ever been through. And you're focusing on these things. You truly probably do think you're the only one who's going through it. But there are people around you who are just not sharing these things. And because of the joy set before them, you think that they have not been through any of these things. But I know most of you guys pretty personally and know that we have all been through stuff. You know what I mean? And what happens is whenever we find our joy in the Lord, it doesn't seem like we're going through all that much stuff. It really doesn't. And other people are going to think, we haven't been through that much. And then whenever we share testimonies, it shares of God's goodness and his grace. And so um, the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about tonight is that whenever we have this language of joy, if hallelujahs are the language of heaven, if that's what we'll say, holy, 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 hallelujah, praise you, God, for all of eternity, and it's a language of heaven, the more that we press in and we do these things, it becomes a language of our hearts. And a lot of times, and it's okay to be this way, a lot of times we're, we're pressing in, you know, it's maybe doesn't come naturally to us. If you're not naturally a prayer who likes to pray in tongues for four hours a day, it's something you have to, devout, to, 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 to devote yourself to, right? And so what we find is the more that we press in with this joy, the more that we, we're not seeking after joy. We're seeking after Jesus and Jesus gives us the joy. But the more that we have this language of heaven in our hearts, the word says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we know that whatever we say, we will have. And so whenever, what happens is there's a transferal from heaven to our hearts, from our hearts to our mouths, and then with our mouths, we move mountains. With our mouths, we can create worlds. With our mouths, we create our situations. And so what we do find is that joy is not going to push away every single circumstance that can come your way. But what joy can do is change the situation that you are currently in, depending on how you talk about it. And so it's okay to take your things to the Lord, and it's good to take your things to the Lord, but to not allow yourself to continually ruminate on these things, to chew on the cud over and over and over again and just marinate it until that's what we're steeped in. Instead, we take it to the Lord and he gives us something new to chew on and he gives us something new to digest. And then what happens is we're nourished with that instead of what we had been chewing on. Does that make sense? It's so good. Like a cow, um, this is not my nose. A cow has four stomachs. Did you know that, Sarah? cow has four stomachs. So whenever a cow eats, it digests it, moves to the next stomach, digests it again and again. And the, we do the same thing with our minds. And this is why whenever we talk about joy, joy unspeakable that won't go away, 
we cannot stop talking about it. We cannot stop talking about the joy that the Lord is giving us. We cannot stop talking about how abiding with Jesus has changed our countenance. We cannot stop talking about what the Holy Spirit has done in and through our lives with the anointing of gladness. We cannot stop talking about the Lord that our eyes are so fixated on that it changes everything that we're going through. And so there really are, are what are the three things that we can do to not only maintain our joy, but to grow our yield in the fruit is to rejoice in the Lord, abide in Jesus, and be anointed by the Holy Spirit with the oil of gladness. And so to go back to our main scripture, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things, there is no such law, which means we get to run with it. We get to go with joy. There's no, there's no boundaries. There's no hindrances. We can keep going in joy until the yield is so great that it is overflowing and everybody else gets to experience it. And that puts a smile on your face. And that changes your countenance. And that is what lets people know that Jesus is real. And so I just want to encourage us. I think a lot, of, a lot of us think that we may have joy from time to time, but this is something that we can truly have a calm delight. It can be our source. And we don't need to just sit around smiling all the time, but people don't see us going like this. They know that we're the person that they can go to. They're the person that, they, that people know. When I go and talk to her, she always has something to say. When I go to him, he not only has something that everybody else would give advice for, he has something with power. That's, that's true joy, and it will be expressed in the people that we see. And so rejoice in the Lord, abide in Jesus, and be anointed by the Holy Spirit with the oil of gladness.